Patriot power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000. I'm TV Sean Baby from the internet. And with me is a chipper and excited Robert Brockway. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> I cannot sustain that energy. I'm immediately out of, out of gas here. That was it. I would love that. Like two hours in, you still trying to do that. I think that'd be our best podcast. That'd be up there with our Soren Bowie podcast. Soren, we love you. And people actually liked that one. Everybody now that we're loved about it. that one. And uh, I, I, I guess that means I really don't understand what makes a good podcast. I think it means we probably deep down hate ourselves and like the idea of us talking about our process and like our regrets and our insecurities is like disgusting to us. But to other people, it's like, oh, look, they're, you know, our favorite comedy writers are humans and have their own personality traits. I, mean, and things. I hate Maybe, that they I know, know that. I hate them for knowing that. Yeah, they shouldn't know that about us. Fucking assholes. They should, <laughs> they should see the end game of our art where I take comic books and take the words and make it so they're talking about dicks. <laughs> they don't need I to see that, the suffering behind it. Yeah, they don't need to know. Uh, also with us is 1-900-HOT-DOG's own Lydia Bug. Yay, hi. I actually wait for you to introduce me this time patiently instead of just That's jumping fantastic. right in. You can just go ahead. I mean, I, discuss your suffering here. <laughs> yes. Well, I will say I listened to that episode and I did enjoy it partially because I felt like for some reason that it was probably harder for me than everyone else. So, yeah. like, yeah, listening to you guys talk about it being hard made me feel a little bit better. Oh, no, it sucks for everybody and nobody knows why we do it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like writers are always complaining about how writing sucks and like we, they've all heard it, but we still do it anyway. Like, for instance, at the top of our show, we like to talk about our struggles with our, our current projects. So, uh, Lydia, what are you working on that, that you'd like to complain about? Oh, um, well, what I wrote this week was <laughs> about I, I found an interview once where Penn Bagley, the actor or Penn Badgley, I think is how you say it. Um, oh, yeah, from uh, from Gossip Girl. Yes, yes, Dan from Gossip Girl. Also Gossip Girl. Spoilers for, for Gossip Girl. Um, <laughs> and he's also on the show You, which I like much better. It's a really good show. And he, mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested in him because he plays this, like, serial killer. And a bunch of people continued to be in love with him, even though he was, like, doing right. big murders on people. And he was having to, like, go on social media and being like, I play a bad guy. You should oh, not like be in love with me. Just like real serial killers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like guys. how they do. <laughs> get a lot of ass through the mail i mean honestly yeah that's true women love serial killers i wrote about it for for cracked before about like what psychologically is you know what society doing to make us feel like and i think it's a lot of we should Did save you crack them. it oh yeah i oh, solved I see. it it's, it's not a okay. problem anymore <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta, anyway you gotta talk to every single one of my ex-girlfriends <laughs> I, yeah, I'll send they all love to, serial killers every single wait a, wait a second wait a minute no follow-up questions so so you're saying all your exes love serial killers uh okay i'll leave it oh, wait. one more thing you just got colombo brockway <laughs> it explains the room in his house that no one's allowed to go into it's a red flag i should have noticed that explains the all of the rooms in my house that no one's allowed to go into <laughs> 
they've they've got different themes and uh traps wait not traps uh fun games activities <laughs> for all mostly young women i was talking about i was about to talk about pokemon and i got lost oh, right. in, in of course of course um, so someone asked everyone me, would have guessed that of course yeah this is obviously leading towards pokemon <laughs> um, I read a thing where somebody asked him, what's the, like, worst thing you ever did, which is such a bold interview question to ask. Like, wow. what project do you hate? Um, and he said, when I was a kid, I made a Pokemon training video. And I was like, oh, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> yeah. That's just it was the pretty dinner good. bell for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just edited that article. That was really funny. Oh, thank you. It was fun, but it was just like all painful for me to watch, which I mentioned in the article because I don't like watching people kind of just be made fun of, you know, and it was a lot of It did that. seem like a really belligerent video, like, oh, you don't even know how to tap your Pokemon cards, yes. you stupid few. A lot of stuff in like 90s all the way into, I want to say mid 2000s was just, they didn't know what else to do, so... Instead of like being funny or or having a personality, like aggressive, wildly aggressive was was right. your default. Like everybody loves that. That's just yeah. I think that's called tude attitude, but you drop the first part. Yeah, I hated it's spelled apostrophe t u d e. Oh, the apostrophe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's tude. It's a very specific type of attitude. Yeah, that's that they, totally that what I, it was. I think is extinct too. now. So, kids, if you're watching. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's two <tube> uh, time. <laughs> it's two time. I uh, just edited that and I had a lot of fun. I found uh, like on a whim, I just searched for Pokemon VCR because I was doing a little graphic. I wanted to put all your uh, GIFs in a little frame. Oh, I love that. And uh, yeah. there's literally a Pikachu VCR. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fucking perfect. And I found like some super grimy one off of eBay. I'm like, well, it doesn't it doesn't get any easier than this. <laughs> I was talking about how writing being a struggle, but like. Uh, image editing, nothing to it. <laughs> oh for my gosh, you. that's so not for true. specifically. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the <laughs> right. hardest part for me. I have Canva, which is like baby Photoshop, and it's still really hard. I have regular it, Photoshop, and I'm wildly unqualified to use it. You put together some nice stuff, Broadway. Yeah, and it's so it kills me every time. Yeah, sometimes I can see the struggle behind it, but other times, I'm like this looks nice. Yeah, you should feel. Once again, the suffering. You should really feel the suffering when you look at any image that I make. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of suffering, here's what I did for work this week. I read 80 issues of GamePro, just the letter section, not the entire magazine, because I found a letter in GamePro just like on a whim. I was kind of looking through like, you know, maybe I'll do an article on these old video game mag uh, advertisements or something. These are kind of funny. And I saw a letter to them where they're just like, hey, Bridget Wilson played Sonya in Mortal Kombat. What's her address? <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. I was like, this is the funniest letter to print. And um, so I was like, wait, how the fuck maybe... do you answer that? <laughs> right, they I just know. say no. They just <laughs> calm down. The, uh, <laughs> right? Why would you? Why would you write to GamePro? Like, how desperate are you? Where they're like, you know who knows how to get in touch with Sonya Blade? GamePro magazine. Seven fucking nerds in San Mateo. Do you definitely shot, can get in touch with <laughs> Nobody yeah. remembers how hard stalking used to be before the internet. Right. It was the yeah, hardest job. <laughs> like, you had, so, to, you, you had to know how to use a phone book just to stalk somebody. Yeah. It was crazy. You had to go, well, you had to go places. Bushes, mostly. I, yeah, did they write to every magazine? Like, were they writing to, like, 
TV guide. Yeah, or you never knew people. when somebody would just fuck up and publish your letter. Yeah, hey, they published. Why did they publish that? What was their answer that they would publish that? <laughs> yeah, what they, did they say? Uh, Please. They gave out her like um, publicity PO box, so oh, like you could just write okay. to her agent or whatever. Even that's kind which of is, a fuck up. Yeah, it, it, it's already weird. But the other thing about this article is that uh, this was just totally normal in the eighties and nineties. They would just put the kids' entire full name and their hometown, which, uh, Ooh, with so my research, research skills, with like literally anyone's research skills, yes, you could reverse stock them. So, oh, no. what happened in these, this, the trope that I found in these magazines was that every single child loved violence and they would write in and give like really like Ben Shapiro y kind of like shitty logic arguments for why violence was actually just and great and perfectly fine. And so they'd be like, uh, they, they, the theme of the magazine is they'd print these articles that are like, keep the blood in Mortal Kombat. And they did that every month for like fucking 12 years. And so as I'm going through like collecting these letters, I'm like, sure, I guess back then there would be 30 days between each of them and I'm reading them all in one night. So it just looks like a bunch of maniacs. And so I'm like, what did these children grow up to become if all they cared about when they were young was like championing video game blood? So I looked up every single one of them. And they were so easy to find because the internet is amazing. Because stalking and, is so fucking easy now. <laughs> yes, stalking rules. I had a great time stalking. And um, I found uh, most of them are like, they're in LinkedIn, they're all like sales engineers at like grocery stores. Like really, they all like pad their resume with like f- important sounding words on like really mundane jobs, which I loved. I was having a lot of fun with that. But um, there, there's one letter that was very much like, I don't think we should have violence in video games. They should come back and like, you know, they should take it away from us. It's not safe. And guess what that guy grew up to become? Serial killer. Yeah, I'm going to say murderer. <laughs> Got to be the theme. It was sex offender. You guys were very close. <laughs> oh, pretty close. But I swear to God, it was the only letter I found that was like that and the only adult I found that was like that. It was just so perfect. Like you just knew this sanctimonious little fuck is going to grow up to be a murderer and like, whoop, sure enough. Yeah, yeah there you go. So, you can so parents, if your children love video game blood, they'll grow up to be fine. Grocers, grocery salespeople, grocery sales engineers, whatever. <laughs> but if they're like, mommy, please take my games away. This is violence. It's not good for anyone. Murderer. Yeah. That's, oh, it's because they know it's triggering something dark that they don't yeah. want to feed. I feel so, so much better about my cousin's kids now that like feeding are the wrong constantly wolf. beating the crap out of each other and like... One time I came over yeah, and they were covered good. in marker and I was like, what, what is this? And they said, we have prison Knife tattoos. Fighting. And I was like, what oh. <laughs> <laughs> So they're fine. We're they're going to grow up to be perfectly healthy. Oh, yeah. They'll be just fine. Uh, Brockway, do you have any um, projects you'd like to complain about? Yeah. Speaking of prison, uh, <laughs> I, I worked on an article about uh, my favorite lounge singer. His name's Peter Lemongello. And love saying it everybody say peter lemongello just try it peter lemongello isn't that great it's great isn't it's it just it's the best uh that's not his real name he changed it uh that his is that's his stage name his real name was peter lemongello <laughs> spelled slightly differently like i i don't know that's how this starts and uh he was just a crazy narcissistic scumbag as you'd expect or you know, demand a lounge singer to be. Uh, mm-hmm. All the best ones must be. But he he had this brilliant idea to... Well, because nobody liked him. Because nobody would give him a chance and his star was going nowhere. Despite him being so certain that it wasn't him. That he was the most talented person in the world. 
he, he couldn't get a break, so he made a break, and he somehow tricked a bunch of people into investing into, like, his career, just in general. Like, they would get, they would get returns from his career, which was, which was weird. But then his plan, and this was 1976, his plan was to start a TV commercial, and so you could only buy the album from the TV commercial, like, uh, like the now that's what I call music or pure mood right. stuff. You oh, remember yeah. those? Enya, I remember commercials for Enya. Yeah, she was on all of those. They were all on like Beach right. Vibes or whatever. Uh, yeah, he started I would that. Put Enya he, on a Beach he Vibes. He invented that method for this album called Love Seventy Six. He was the first person to put an album strictly for sale on the TV, and and you can even see the template was like arranged for all of those people. It so, looks and plays. So out we like owe that. Freedom Rock to him. Yeah, oh he's responsible for that. And, uh, Lady, are you uh, old enough to remember Freedom Rock? No, but I love the name. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to interrupt for a second, Robert. It's exactly what, sounds, Freedom Rock. what it sounds like. Yeah. The, this dude's listening to music, and some guy rolls up to him, and he goes, Hey, is that Freedom Rock, man? And then, again, it's a term they invented for the commercial. And then the other guy goes, Yeah, man. And then the guy in the car says, Well, then turn it up, man. And that played... 600 times a day for my entire childhood. <laughs> was it just like, I'm assuming a compilation of rock songs? Like, no, that's what I Yeah, it was all like yeah. like Vietnam music. It was like all fucking... About free, It was Freedom Rock. Freedom. You, knew, you knew exactly... It's a perfect name because you knew exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> he even invented that because he, he invented a genre that co- that they called mood rock. So this yes. is a whole new genre called mood rock. Like even like that part of the template he invented... And then, of course, he... I have two Emmys in uh, Daytime Mood Rock. <laughs> Easy, easiest. I have a bumper a sticker nothing, that says, your mood award. rocks. But that's it. Because <laughs> I'm very positive, usually. Chevy Chase did a, a skit about him. And the skit was that he called him Peter Lemon Mood Ring. And then he changed Oof. colors as he sang. The worst fucking skit I've ever heard. Oh, that's really bad. <laughs> like his skin. What an amazing color? source material, and just fucking biffed it. Yeah, yeah, like that's all you've got is like, oh, the word mood. The word mood. Uh, uh changing Ugh. colors like a mood ring. That's that's literally all I've got. I'm Chevy Chase. I should not. Here's be, my I idea. Not be. We do a spoof of Star Wars called Star Oatmeal, and we all eat oatmeal. <laughs> oh, lemon jello is like a better name too. That like it's funnier. Jello's a funny word. Right, at least if it was something mm-hmm. about Jello, you'd be like, "That sucks," but I see where you're coming from. Yeah. But no, he's yeah. just could his brain couldn't even work on that. He just he, he should not have been writing. But anyway, uh, Peter Lemon Jello, like this didn't work. This this thing didn't work. All of his investors let, lost tons of money, and he lost his career, and he went into real estate, where he then turned to arson. And he was kidnapped by Major League Baseball pitchers, like multiple, as in plural. What? His brother was like a professional bowler that hustled mobsters. And just like his whole life after this was just sliding madness into sliding madness. And it was, he's, it's, he's so great. It's my favorite Lounge That's, Singer. It's and fantastic. yours. And yours too now. Easily. Wow, this was a dark, all of us had like dark topics, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> right, but they all started yeah. fun. Mine's about Game Pro. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's but I did go into it knowing that they were going to be maniacs. Yeah, that uh, makes suspecting. it better. <laughs> yeah, this is the life we chose for ourselves, guys. How can we complain? Speaking I'm not. I had of, so much fun. Um, he was great. Terrible choices. Today's podcast is about the cause. Bill Cosby. 
Now, uh, we did finish a long uh, podcast series where Brockway found a murderer on Megan Wants a Millionaire. Still so impressive. I think I could find this murderer. Yes. We're going to continue that tradition of finding people long after their crimes have been discovered and prosecuted. And uh, we're going to go back through some Bill Cosby books and uh, see if we can spot any warning signs. Theo. It's Theo, isn't it? (laughs) So uh, I guess, yeah, we have a gigantic doc that we use for the site uh, with our calendar. And I also keep a digital library of like every book and video I own. And in there, there's a section called Derangement Clusters, where I have uh, lots of books, some of them like maybe labor dry, but from a super weird genre like cat massage or Christian clowns or knife fighting or solving a Rubik's Cube or whatever. And Brockway saw that I had a Cosby collection. And I have two, actually. I have his children's books and I have, uh, I think, every adult book he wrote. And so today we're doing just his adult books, which are terrifying. And in the context of what we know now, uh, they're going to sound a lot like confessions. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So, uh, fun podcast I picked for us. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. Well, it does start with a fun one. Uh, I have 1975's Bill Cosby's Personal Guide to Tennis Power. And I'm not being a dick when I say it's nothing more than instructions on how to be bad at tennis, like sarcastically incorrect sports tips. Wow, like, just like your knees straight. Yeah. What, what, what is up with that? And I want to bring up the point that comedy does not age well, but this is particularly bad. And after reading seven Bill Cosby books in a week, I, I kind of want to go on the record saying that he wasn't funny. He was too clever by half. So much of his writing is like super green and uh, did not age well, not because he's a serial rapist, but because it's just really bad. Like like the things that he thought were funny in, in 1990 did not remain funny. Yeah, he was always an inexplicable one. I mean, it was like... A- it was like reverse Bob Saget, sort of, when you saw Bob Saget on Full House and America's Funniest right. Home Videos, and you're like, why is this guy a thing? And then he turned out to be actually kind of funny in like his career. You're like, oh, okay, so they were just putting him in like crap roles. Like, right. Bill Cosby, every time you saw him, you were just, what? Why you? I, why are you a thing? The only like <laughs> Bill guess... Cosby stuff I knew of was uh, when I was a kid, I listened to his album, To My Brother Russell, Whom I Slept With, which is, man, a title that has not aged well. Wow. Um, wow. But I remember thinking it was very funny. <laughs> Everything's a, a warning. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but I was also 10, so like I haven't listened to it since then. But I, I did really right. like that comedy album. And then I remember, you know, when stuff started coming up, out about him, I was like, oh, like huh. that guy. Yeah. I do want to add the caveat that I, I do like his stand up. And I think it holds up way better than his writing. His writing is just really, really weak. Like it hasn't been tested and there's no performance to it. And of course, he's Bill Cosby. He's a great performer. Um, but uh, I guess if you don't the- have to, then you don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. have to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame him for like crapping out a book about how to play tennis and probably making like yeah, just, the uh, 70s equivalent of a million dollars. <laughs> sure. Here's one. Don't hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Knock that one out of the park. Or maybe I nailed it. You could, you should do this, Brockway. <laughs> yeah, all I got to do is be incredibly successful first, and then I can start doing this. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we could write a sarcastically bad tennis tip book, and it would be like a parody of this that maybe four people would get. Apparently, and... there's a market for it. Yeah, or there I was mean, at least. This at is a, time. a genre. This is yeah, making fun of how people play tennis uh, is <laughs> is a genre that I guess people really were into. Yeah, we should do it. Look out for our tennis book coming soon. Coming soon from One Hundred Hot Dog Tennis Book. <laughs> Fucking our, tennis. Our new Untitled tennis. Project. Help us reach our next goal. 
<laughs> I did have something in the calendar called problematic tennis week that, uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was like an idea. And I did have a, a, something picked out for each day that are very, very troubling. And, uh, I don't think we'll ever get to it because obviously that's, that's absurd, but, um, we I could. I, I kind of want to get to it. Now. I think Let's people put are going to want to hear problematic list. tennis week. 14,000. It's our 14,000 goal. Problematic tennis week. So I want to start with Bill Cosby. I think this is the first book he wrote uh, that was like a real book, not some tennis bullshit. And in 1986, he wrote a book called Fatherhood. And it's very much like, uh, like dad jokes about how kids are stupid and messy and gross. And it's probably what most people pictured, uh, Bill Cosby being like in 2013 before like it became regular public knowledge that this was who he was. Yeah. So it's very much like, oh, these kids today, I tell you type of shit. Like, boy, in my day, it was different. That The, the whole book is that. Yeah. He was most so, famous um, for like not getting rap at that point. Yes. He was, he was very like sanctimonious when it came to, especially the black community. Uh, and how just like, be you know, polite, you know, we wouldn't have any problems. Right. And, problematic in ways I can't really speak to as a as a white person but like uh it, it's it's really bad he was very judgmental and uh speaking from a place of like you know I have 50 million dollars why can't you just be more like me kids growing up in a place with a completely different culture you know what I mean it's just it's super gross um yeah tone deaf pretty tone deaf so i'm going to read from chapter 6 She's got the whole world in her glands. Oh, no. Uh-oh. That's, uh, that's that Cosby talk, that Cosby comedy I was talking about. <laughs> um, prepubescent and preposterous. Not long ago, my eight-year-old, who was the size of a well-built flea, walked past me singing, Give it to me all night long. So I called her over and nervously said, Give you what all night long? I don't know, she replied. Then why do you want it all night long? Because it feels so good. <laughs> oh, um, no. Yeah, I don't like that at all. And that's the only uh, clip I took from that book because the whole <laughs> book is is very much like that. Like kids saying stuff they clearly heard on the radio that they don't understand yet because they're just tiny children. And him not giving her the context to understand it. Just like, derp, derp, you take the kids and they talk about the pubes and you dip. New impression. <laughs> New impression, everybody. <laughs> the rest of the show will be entirely in Cosby voice. So it was just um, him complaining about children doing very normal children things that all children do. Absolutely. Also, I, I, if you're trying to pick like a lyric to show how just hopeless and, and corrupt the children these days are, that, that shit could have come from like the 60s. That could have come yes. from mainstream yeah. radio in the 60s. The Beatles yeah. complaining about that. now. That's some Bill Haley and the Comets shit there, Bill Cosby. That's a 50s band. <laughs> they sang Rock Around the Clock and uh, oh, okay. a couple of suggestive songs. They, uh, it doesn't matter. The point is, Bill Rock Cosby was already very much out of touch by 1986. And his whole bit was that, I don't understand ki- I'm sorry, I'll do the voice. I don't understand the kids today. <laughs> the blizzles and the pussies well will do. That's actually Why? pretty good. Would you pussy be so wet? It, <laughs> we found your first good impression. The very dry, well, the pussies. Let's, let's not the rush to, 
That's not worse to calling it good. <laughs> it's an impression. <laughs> you knew who I was doing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. It en- it enhanced the bit. At it the didn't very least. sound like Dennis Miller. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Well, the rest of this I'll read as Dennis Miller, then, if that would make you feel better. As Cosby doing Dennis Miller. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to find As though that. he was mocking Dennis Miller. <laughs> Just, that's, oinga, but Kent comes up to me and says, Oinga Boingo with the Gadzagoo baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That was fucking God, this is good podcast. <laughs> this is gonna translate for sure. Uh, so one year later, Bill Cosby writes a book called Time Flies. And it is about getting older. And mostly it's about how he's like too sleepy to have sex, and when he does, it's just fucking gross as shit. And so uh I would like to read you some very disgusting passages from this book. I was about to dive into a vat of depilatory when the growth finally stopped. And there, crowning it all, sat the pubic hair, rich and dark, until the awful day 37 years later when I saw the first gray one. The pubic hair that had come to me as a boy was a sign of manhood. But what was the message of this first gray one? I knew it well, a two-part message for a man turning 50. My body no longer produced lean meat. And I should start to shower in the dark. Lean as meat. more of this. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like how we put that. <laughs> no. And I should start to shower in the dark. As more of this lower gray appears, I have been wondering, would I be too vain if I started using Grecian formula in a place that only my wife and doctor ever see? Uh, only his wife and doctor see it because most of the women who would normally see it are unconscious. Oh, God. I thought the same thing. <laughs> Now I'm like, it. now I'm Groucho Marx. Ah, most of the ladies that see this guy's pubes are unconscious. My wife, of course, might not learn about it for a while because she sees the total me less than ever these days. Just as I no longer can go one-on-one in basketball the way I once did, I also lack the stamina to go one-on-one in bed the way I did in my salad days. In spite of the profound love I have for my wife, sex at my age has become exhausting, which leaves me yearning for a younger body. Or longing for a good nap. A man of my age comes home late from the office, has dinner, takes a shower, ignores a few bills, and finally makes it into bed. Discovering another person in that bed and dimly aware that this person is a different sex, he starts to make his move. Not tonight, says his wife, and the man rolls over with a smile. Thank you very much, he silently says. Oh my god, it um, sounds like an alibi. Like... Yes. I can never I can never do anything bad to a woman. I am too sleepy. It's a disgusting book and it, it it's obviously the darkness is creeping into my mind just holding it in my hands. Like, um what, I, what does okay. Lean meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the like the little grossnesses along the way. Yeah. More than yes. the larger implications that we know in hindsight. Yeah. It's just that he the way he he views bodies like you can always tell when they start talking about it like it's just flesh, it's just meat. <laughs> yeah, that was I the, also, the, big the young meat. ones. The young ones are the lean meat. <laughs> that was as, the big as red a writer flag for you feels, with Ryan. Uh, I remember was the way he talked about Megan's yes, body in pieces. That's right. Yeah, anytime they talk about a body and it starts to break down into like anything to not acknowledge the humanity of it, like oh, there's mm-hmm. something very wrong with you. Yes. 
I I wanted to talk about like the overworking of his words. Like it it's clear this is the third or fourth draft, and he's really struggled to make everything as clever as possible. But he's also My really God, indelicate. I didn't entertain that. I did not entertain that this would have gone through multiple yes. drafts. Like and this is fussed over. In. And and I still find it indelicate. Like uh, he could have made the graying pubic hairs funny. Like it feels like that's inherently a, a a ludicrous thing to talk about. And it just sort of feels like he's at the doctor discussing something very medically. Yeah, zero uh, he also says it. when he sees his woman and it's time for sex, he says he yearns for a younger body. And I'm like, I feel like your wife could take that in a way you don't mean it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or maybe you do, or maybe you do. Right. Like you, you picked these words very carefully and you landed on some troubling ones. Yeah. Yeah. The idea okay. of him editing that and being like, this is great. I'm so funny. People are going to love this. Mm-hmm. Is- yeah, that's something I don't entertain as much as that, that all of these things would hopefully have gone through multiple drafts and you still published them. Yeah, and yeah, an I editor guess. who was like, yeah, I really like the part where you said lean meat. That's good. Let's leave <laughs> that provocative. in. Yeah, you're not making lean meat anymore. A little really? edit note. Could this meat be lean? You just called it meat. <laughs> <laughs> Sure thing. Signed the cause. <laughs> That's good. Uh, now, two years later, he wrote Love and Marriage. And my copy is transcribed. It says, May 6, 1989, to love, honor, and oy vey for 23 years. Love, Arnie. So this was once treasured by Arnie and his uh, wife. And you know and when then, they got rid of it, you know the day yeah. where it was sent to the used bookstore. <laughs> yep. yep. You so know what happened them died or they learned about Cosby and got rid of the book. Yeah. Well, so, oh, I, I was assuming and... divorce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, this book, Love and Marriage, is when you really start to see the warning signs. Because um, it, it feels like he went into this deciding to write a book sort of about his sexual conquests. But... Since most of his adult relationships were extramarital gropings of unconscious women, it's like meaningless middle school crushes, like movie dates in high school and long conversations transcribed from memory of like two children breaking up. Like the whole first half of the book is just like, I once held hands with a girl and her name was Susan. And that's pretty much the whole Susan story. And that'll be a chapter with just like like the last of his sexual maturity. That's when he reached the end of it. And then it's all just... This became too complicated. I've got a solution. Yeah, or like the point when he stopped <laughs> yep. thinking about women as like uh, people, you know, was when he was... Might have been around there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was 52 when he wrote this one, and he'd been married for 25 years. And um, uh, obviously some of his greatest romantic triumphs at 52 were uh, seeing a vagina, which is the entirety of chapter three. I'm not kidding. Uh, he pursues a woman hard Generally because he heard mound. she was loose, and <laughs> he wanted. Mount. Sorry, he wanted the <laughs> generally pubic mount. <laughs> he wanted that J O N E S, which is uh, slang that has fallen out of use, but I think it means sex. And uh, so he pursues her, and he comes to her front door, and she sh- lifts up her skirt for him, and then he chickens out, and then told his friends that he did it, and that's chapter three. Uh, I'm making it sound too funny. It's actually much grimmer and darker than that. Uh, so I want to just start reading some passages from this book. It's a very, very good book. Um, yeah, the way you described <clears throat> that, it from, sounded like he was like, ding dong, and she just opened the door and then lifted up her skirt. And I was like, It's so exactly that. Oh, okay. 
I don't know how things worked in like, <laughs> like the fifties. Like this happened in the in the doorway. It was very clear he was just he hadn't even entered her house, and she was just like, "Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. Let's do the J O N E S." Okay, so that story was made up then. Probably, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, that's the other thing is that all the stories are obviously made up, but with like the cleverness of a fifty-two-year-old like comedian who's just so full of himself, and so that so young cause is very clever. And uh, just always has these cute little word plays ready. And it's like, this is, it's, it's really frustrating to get through. Because there's elements of truth to some of them, you think. And that, but the rest of it is complete bullshit. And you, you're never sure what he thinks you're supposed to believe or what really happened. And anyway, it's a bad book. All That's these kind are of bad a theme books. with him. Yeah. Yes. It's weird. The theme <laughs> you is You can't that he's believe a real Bill Cosby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Beneath my smile at Joyce Anderson was a body that had recently showered, for the physical part of the dream had been to awaken in a sticky situation and feel a profound desire to help your mother with the laundry by washing your sheets at once. So are you, are you following along with this, these layers of cleverness? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a challenge this laundering can be for the boy who has just awakened from an overnight arrival at puberty. I remember the morning I came downstairs all dressed for school at 6.30, carrying my pajamas and sheets. I should have been carrying my mattress, too, because the manhood had gone through to it. But I decided to have an accidental fire in the mattress later on. As I reached the foot of the stairs, I ran into my father, who graciously played along with my domestic nobility. Doing some laundry, Bill, he said. Yes, Dad, I replied. Mom has such a heavy load. I'll stop doing that. What a good boy. What a wonderful son. How many sons help their mothers with the laundry even before they sit down to breakfast? The answer, of course, was every son who awakened as a sperm bank. <laughs> so this continues for a while. Uh, basically, it's it, it it's concentrated shame that he feels about sex and clearly gives enough details about his family that, like, he didn't have to feel that. Like, he could have said, Dad, I wet the bed or had a wet dream or whatever happened. And they'd be like, well, you're our son and we love you and we'll help you clean this up but no he's like i gotta hide this shameful disgusting act from the people who love me the most and who accept me at my worst and so uh we're zeroing in on this murderer (laughs) yeah i think we're gonna find this murderer (laughs) i'm I'm putting him on the list (laughs) the fact that he called semen manhood is really disturbing to me i don't like that choice he was just running out of ways to not say it yeah (laughs) right really didn't want to say it like are you writing this to be family friendly? Because it already just by subject matter, you're not. You just you've yeah, written yourself into a corner and you refuse to matter. say it. Yeah, his mm-hmm. family friendly ejaculation story probably wasn't going to sell very well if he said semen. <laughs> I jerked it onto the bed and made the big mess. And my mommy said, "Why did you jerk all the semen onto the mattress, guys?" It's okay, getting this better. Is from, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> or you're just, your brain is adjusting. To that it. might be it. <laughs> I become 1% more cause with each page. Oh, no. <laughs> page 22. How quaint were these cinematic images of sex that accompanied me into puberty? Images as sensuous as little women. Today, oh, even prepubescent children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today, even prepubescent children are watching anatomical lessons on MTV, a channel that my father would have been arrested for watching in 1947, and my 12-year-old has already played both home and road games of Spin the Bottle. I, yeah, know? home version of Spin the Bottle. 
His children are <laughs> kissing each other through games of chance. I nervously hope that she hasn't played a game I just heard about, just heard about, oh, no. called Cops and Robbers. In this one, the boy playing it is a policeman whose mission is to search for an important document, and the most likely place for the document to be hidden is in a girl's blouse. Such a search and seizure lacks a certain tenderness. Shoving your hand down a girl's bra to dig out an imaginary document is not the most romantic approach. It is better to leave this playing field and make your approach to one special girl in a more leisurely way. And this was how I tried to do it in my post-pubescent years, in a way sometimes so leisurely that it seemed to take months or even years before I got a kiss. I hate this. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's uh, Bill right Cosby. He just he just heard about this cops and robber game, which on the news he was the guy that's like the news says there's this new troubling trend, and he's like, oh, right. I 100 percent believe that we need to stop this. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is like the kids are grabbing like, uh, titties. It's like rainbow parties when that was a big. Everybody was like, oh, mm-hmm. everybody, the kids are all doing the rainbow parties, and no one was. Absolutely. That was completely made up. And like this is basically the same thing, so, which always makes me wonder what pervy adult made up these weird sex games that teenagers are playing for the news. Right. It's Bill Cosby. It was probably Bill Cosby. Yeah, he probably made that Bill up Cosby. himself. This is where I they're finding like those... They're reading Bill Cosby's book and going, oh, well, I've Bill never Cosby heard of that to me. outside of this context. I, I feel like the origin story of those is always like some horny person who tries to get, like, intimacy, like, put into some sort of a game form where they could actually get some. Like if you see, you see this every pride parade where uh, it'll say like, Oh, if you have this bandana, that means you're like in the anal play or whatever. You've seen those. It's like a rainbow party for adults. And it's obviously, you know, nonsense. If you have a, a blue bandana, no one's going to run up to you on the street and say, I heard you like to get the inside of your ear licked. Cause you're a bandana. Like it's, that's probably a, unlikely. Just like, like if a girl has a, a green bracelet that doesn't mean oh, that. Oh, yeah, you know. I remember that one. That was a Degrassi episode that I liked was if you wore oh, okay. certain bracelets, it was like you were willing to do right. certain sexual things. And then someone exactly. would come up and like snap your bracelet. And that meant you had to have like give them a blowjob or whatever. It's yes. so ridiculous if you've I, ever I met like... a teenage girl. <laughs> they had right. blowjob bracelets on, <laughs> on Degrassi? Degrassi. Yeah. Degrassi <laughs> wow. got, was very sexy in whatever, yeah. whatever, whenever I was watching it. The 2000s. Very nice. 2000s. I guess my, my point is I think that got started by some dude who wanted a blowjob, but no girls liked him. Yeah. And so he's like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. is And, and that you got, gotta, you know, someone at the, the local game. news heard that. Yeah. You're yeah, wearing you white do shoes. It. That's what that means. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then the girl's just like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'm, I didn't mean to wear the white shoes, but because you said it, mm-hmm. that's a thing that makes sense to me, I guess. This is fun. It was what on the fun news. game. <laughs> yeah. You're My mom's really been worried I would do this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is from page 60. I'm not really sure what it is. I think the theme of this is that women are definitely sex sex objects, but maybe less than that. Uh, So, night after night, year after year, I looked for a girl with whom I could go steady. From time to time, on a Friday or Saturday night, I left bus inspecting to look for her at a party, which was usually held in somebody's basement. I'm not reading that wrong. There are occasional typos in these books. (laughs) In one corner of the room, there was always a phonograph. And in the center of the room, there was a punch bowl, peanuts, and... Pink and white mints that tasted like something that should have been unclogging a drain. 
The air was so full of cigarette smoke that after a while the hostess's parents went outside so they could continue breathing, leaving us young lovers to grope for each other with watery eyes to the strains of crying in the chapel. It was in those basements that I tried to squeeze girls as if they were melons to see which ones might be ripe for going steady with me. Sometimes I managed to lure one of them outside to sit with me in a car for a little kissing and rubbing. Most of the other girls I managed to lure away from the crowd just sat there like statues, hoping that this moment would pass and they could get on with their lives. For these statuesque girls, every boy knew precisely the physical therapy that was needed, the quintessential behavior modifier. You know what she needs, one of us would say. Absolutely, another would reply. It would straighten her out. Gulp! Wow. Yeah, that's not even like an implication anymore. He, yeah. he used the word. This is, where, this is where he just started writing confessions because like the police were not catching up to him enough and he really wanted to be caught. He was just like, <laughs> right. okay, listen, you're not solving my riddles that I've left laced throughout the Cosby show. So uh, I'll dumb it down for you. He said lure twice. Oh, yeah. Luring women. Yes. Yeah, he'd lure them out and like talked multiple times about how they hate it. Yeah, yeah, they have his attentions, it. but he still does it. Yeah, he knows what they want. He knows how to fix this, this attitude problem. And squeezing women uh, like melons. Like, it's a lot of, again, making women into objects. Right, and he thought that was so clever. He's checking to see if they're ripe. But not for, like, eating, for, like, this metaphor that I'm making. Like, he's just, he'll stretch these shitty metaphors out so, way past the point where there's a chance of comedy. It's just, like, his own, like cleverness just wallowing in it like oh can you believe how far i can stretch this metaphor and it still sort of makes sense yeah I can't what's the metaphor about oh groping teenage girls <laughs> luring them away <laughs> and then back to that. Them. separating them from right. the herd like cattle <laughs> so yeah. those are the only earmarked pages i had from love and marriage uh the second half of the book really is about like his marriage and just sort of like uninteresting stories about like what marriage is like like Wisdom you would get from literally anyone who's been married for six weeks or has met a married couple. Like any child who grew up with parents is capable of writing this book, is my point. Um, so two years later after that, he wrote a book called Childhood. And I would just like to read you the front book jacket. These are um, the words used to advertise this book. Childhood is Bill Cosby country. In this entertaining and endearing book, which ranges from the warmly to the wildly funny, Cosby holds forth with the most marvelous stories he has ever told about his childhood. Here are tales you'll never forget, including his heroic quest for Spanish Fly. <clears throat> Man, nobody's going to Bill Cosby country now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, they're just like... Close the borders! <laughs> it's a heroic quest See, for Spanish Fly. That's how you fly. stretch a metaphor, cause. He found it. <laughs> Yeah, if you were inviting people to Cosby Country now, oof, they would say they would not be interested. Oh my god! (laughs) So, uh, so a lot of childhood stories that I I mentioned this earlier—they they're probably made up, but I'm not sure we're supposed to know that. And um, I'll give you a good example of this. Um, This is uh, about the time the teacher caught him looking at his looking at tits in National Geographic. Um, William, said a stern voice from the front of the room, what are you reading instead of your book? Oh, National Geography, Miss Baker, I brightly replied, holding up the magazine. Good for you. And what particular part of the National Geographic? You got the name almost right. Oh, sorry, he said National Geography earlier. I fucked up his joke. 
Um, you almost got the name right. Has you interested today? Africa? I said uneasily. Especially African jugs, whispered Junior. Jugs, said Miss Baker. You like pottery, William? Yeah, pots and pans too. The class laughed and Miss Baker frowned. There is no need to make fun of a simple mistake, she said. Simple mistake, of course, also described Junior, who had put me in this spot. William, pans aren't pottery. However, because of the extra reading that you've been resourceful enough to do, you may erase the blackboard and clean the erasers for class tomorrow. Thank you, Miss Baker. I said, Jesus, said Junior. You look at some jugs and you get the blackboard job. I already seen enough of them to make me principal. So, um... Did they, uh... I hope I, they faithfully transcribed the zip, the zop, the zoop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was in there. <laughs> uh, it, it had a little note that says, if reading this aloud, insert the zip, the zop, the zoop here. <laughs> There's four chapters on how to properly do the sound. Uh, a little so index. Dory is either, if there's every, any element of truth, he got caught looking at uh, more or less pornography in his school schoolroom. I mean, National Geographic is not pornography, but he was using it for the purpose of pornography. And his teacher uh, didn't know what he, they were talking about when they said African jugs in National Geographic, a magazine I think immediately evokes yeah. topless African ladies, yeah, right? Like immediately. Stale, that was a stale joke by the time he wrote that. 100%. Yeah, that's a 1960s joke. And yeah. so... Uh, so then he gets in trouble for something that she comp- – so I'm just saying like none of this dialogue happened. No. But if any of these events are true, he got caught reading porn in class and got in trouble. Like that's the that's the tale he's telling. I can't believe he was ever considered like a good like father figure, family friendly comedian. Like Bob Saget's right. stuff was so crazy because it was so opposite of what you would expect from him like on a show. And that was always mm-hmm. a big deal with people. But I never heard anything like that about Cosby. It was like he was constantly having that dad vibe on his show and right. off his show, I thought. To be fair, I am cherry picking a little. A lot of these yeah. books are just real dry stories. Uh, I was trying to find the ones that like yeah. hinted at his dark future. But, but, still. Um, but yeah, there is a there is a lot of sort of frank discussion of like, uh, you know, teenage puberty and, and pursuit of Poontang and, and the things that, you know. You probably he would scold someone else for absolutely. Yeah, right. The the warning signs. The warning signs. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna skip here to I have 158 earmarked. So uh, there's a lot of back in the day we were so innocent uh, talk. It's a, that's most of this book is made up by like kids today. They don't understand. Which again is it's a strange message from a serial rapist. Looking back now, I can see how lucky I was to have grown up in a time before childhood was repealed before 10-year-olds were involved in minor league lust. Childhood romance used to be so tender and innocent in the days before dolls were anatomically correct. In those days, even the kids weren't anatomically correct. Junior Barnes once told me it was possible for a man to be trapped in a woman and not be able to get out. No kidding, I said, frightened by the thought of becoming a permanent part of my first love. Junior, you know anybody who ever got trapped in there? Guys don't talk about it because they're ashamed of having to be rescued, he said. But it happens all the time, and not just in the circus. You ever done it? I guess so. What do you mean you guess so? I'm pretty sure I've done it, but I can't remember exactly. That happens sometimes when you're handling lots of women. I think I've done it too, said Fat Albert. What? Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, Fat Albert? <laughs> yes, Fat Albert's a real person from Bill Cosby's childhood. There's a, there's a guy he calls Fat Albert. 
who I assume is... I did is, not know that. I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought it's he based on a real person. <laughs> so, um, so so he made a, like at least a, a large portion of his career off, off of just another actual guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, maybe he sent him residual checks. I don't know. Off of calling but, his friend fat publicly was like yeah. a huge part of his career. Man, he was yeah, a really must good guy Bill before everything that happened. <laughs> Could you imagine if your childhood bully went on to use your fucking name and the insult he used against you to start like a world famous children's cartoon and become like a gajillionaire? Oh my god! And everybody loved it and thought he was just a great character. There's a like, show on me. Cartoon Network called like Ugly Lydia with the weird hair, and I have to watch it every week. Everybody <laughs> loves all- it. <laughs> Yeah, and, it's and the creator is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, how she's credited. <laughs> that would be so fucking awesome. <laughs> I wish that happened to me. <laughs> I'm sure I'd be very healthy and well adjusted. And I would love the show Ugly Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to love this. This is chapter 10. Or maybe it's a Spanish fleet. <clears throat> I'm just going to start reading the entire chapter, and you uh, just stop me when you had enough. That party at Eddie's now seems to have been my last moment of innocence, a quality that children used to have before they began going directly from pablum to the pill. By the following year... God, that's fucking groan-inducing cleverness. By the following year, I not only knew how to dance and talk all at once, but my friends and I were in hot pursuit of Spanish fly, which wasn't something that buzzed in Barcelona. Again. Gross, but that fucking cleverness is twice as gross. <laughs> that I'm saying he, he offends you more as a comedian than absolutely as a, as a criminal. By the time that I was 13, I understood sex, but I was still too short and thin to expect that any girl, no matter how much she liked me, would ever surrender to me anything more than her rotating shoulder blades. And then one morning, Junior Barnes told us about Spanish Fly an aphrodisiac so potent that it could have made Lena Horn surrender to Fat Albert. Oh, God. Okay. Surrender. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we're... <laughs> That's twice. That's twice that he's worded it as surrender. Uh-huh. You feed this stuff to a girl and she just goes crazy for you, he said. <laughs> Does she gotta be Spanish, said Eddie? I don't think so, said Junior. She just gotta be a girl. How do you feed it to her, I asked him. In a sandwich or something? You gotta slip it to her when she thinks nope. she's drinking something nope. else. Mm, no. <laughs> oh yeah, I was, I was up before. Oh god. Yep. I knew what this was that gonna goes be, on. and I still did not expect it. You gotta that goes slip on. it to her. No. Yeah. Nope. It goes on for ten more pages. That chapter. They actually do find sailors that sell them something, and they they give the sailors like all of their pocket money, like nine dollars and sixteen cents or whatever, and they give the children. A, a packet of something that they claim is Spanish fly. And they're like, don't give them too much or they'll like use it on everybody. And so then they go and they execute this plan. They make cookies out of the Spanish, what they believe is a date rape drug. They make cookies and they feed them to girls at a party. But like the girl they really want to uh, date rape, uh, I'm trying to in the nicest way I can put it. Uh, she won't eat the cookie because she doesn't like ginger. And... Then everyone else eats the cookies, but it, nothing happens, and they wait and wait and wait, and they never get a chance to have uncon- you know non-consensual sex with these classmates. And then one of their mothers eats the cookie and says, wow, these really taste like cornstarch. And so adult Bill Cosby thinks that he got grifted by sailors who sold him 
a packet of cornstarch. Um, but the intent was, of course, there to, to, yeah, that's, that's the Bill Cosby book. That was a, a oh fun God. Bill Cosby book about his childhood. It's called childhood. And he was like, this is, how did uh, they, did they read that in court? <laughs> how can you ever as evidence we'd like to enter yeah. just like just him your career yeah. i guess is just what you call it read you a chapter from his book so that book really happened and um you might have seen uh after the allegations became very public there was that clip from the cosby show where he put some sort of a spanish fly device in a in his barbecue sauce and his family got really horny did you see that episode of the cosby show oh my god no, no. Yeah, that's a real thing that happened. I don't remember. I'm yeah. sure I saw it because I watched all of it, but I probably blocked that one out, I guess. In a f- sort of family way, like they all sort of pair off with their like sex partners and sort of snuggle. Like it's not like they all went to different rooms or had the children have sex or anything, but it's it's very gross, especially with the, you know, the allegations. Yeah. Um, yeah, family first base time still sucks. <laughs> family first base time. <laughs> I hate it. We got to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he Bill Cosby had spin the bottle home and abroad, like the home version and the travel Again, version. Recurring, like he, recurring themes. The hints his were there, Mister. Children policeman. played spin the bottle. That's in a book. I don't like it, but he wrote it. Uh, and they another we book still wrote, didn't catch him. We still didn't catch him. <laughs> we still didn't catch him. There's yeah. so much to be said for like time changing because it changes quicker and quicker, and and you know it rightfully should. But this is not that. Yeah. Right. right. This, I mean, this should it, have been dark and disturbing then. It's in the book jacket. It's like the heroic quest for Spanish fly. Like it was a fun, cute thing for a child like, to go because it's searching for date rape drugs. In, in what, like the 50s or 60s or whenever he, he was a kid. But these books sure. are being published like when I was a kid. I'm trying yeah, to think this, back like, was that, book childhood, was that a um, thing? Was there a lot of stuff about like innocent allusions to. Kind of, like there was a, a love because... a love potion thing. I don't know. Like there was, you know, like a love potion number nine. Right. I forget. Yeah, that's as close yeah. as I remember. Tate and Donovan, like, great movie, and like yeah. s- still gross. But uh, at least it was like hidden behind some some sort of fantasy science fiction device. Yeah, yeah and you, it wasn't and usually for the, the kids to actually movies. try. Yeah, like the the point was usually you shouldn't use the love potion. You know, the, it always ended with the character being like, "Oh, I wish I sure. hadn't done that." There was a moral I wonder, message. I wonder how naive I'm being because, like, I remember going to a magic shop and seeing Spanish fly, and it was just like a fly mm-hmm. with a little hat on. Like that was the joke. <laughs> right. I thought that's what it was. I've never heard. I feel of like it. we. I feel like it was within the parameters of like, I don't know. Decency is not the right word, but within the rules. Like, I think you'd know, like, if you hit a woman over the head and knocked her unconscious, like, that, no. But, like, if you could give her something that just made her very, like, horny, then that's fair game. Yeah. I feel like that. Cosby thought so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that product doesn't really exist, and thank God for that. But, like, I feel like if it did, it would sort of be... Um, fair play in the 90s when this book was written. I think there's stuff that was uh, so, meant to emulate that kind of thing, that like horny goat weed, I feel like I've heard of. It's like supposed to be an aphrodisiac or something. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah, and, an aphrodisiac, but that's something you're supposed to like take yourself. Sure. Not, yeah. It's the, you see, the problem I have, I'm, I feel like I'm lapsing into Cosby. You see, the problem <laughs> I have. The kids today with the Spanish. <laughs> The problem I have is with the slipping. Yeah, yes. that is the, like, that's the bad. The, the functional mechanic here. 
uh, in high school, uh, every now and then people get their hands on Everclear, which if you put in like punch, you could like make the punch deceptively strong. Yeah. And I remember thinking this is really gross because I know exactly what the implication is. Like, like you're trying to get like inexperienced girls drunk so they lose their judgment. And again, like, I think if we pull this thread long enough, we will get to a point Wait, where it's that's like, that's what that should... was for? I thought it was just... Because <laughs> I only used use. it to make me get so drunk, I lost my judgment. <laughs> yes. Like, once you start pulling on this thread, it's like, well, we do have liquor, and that makes people make poor decisions. And then you're like, yes, like, may- maybe all of this is bad. And like, the root is not in the drugs we give each other, but the intent that some of these wicked men have. But, um... It's in the slipping. Zipping to put the drugs... <laughs> The zipping and the zooping. <laughs> but I do remember when I was a kid, the comic books would have like uh, ads for these little toys you could get. And there would be like hypnosis books and hypnotic goggles. And there would always be a bikini girl just drawn on the clip art. Yeah. As if like, obvi- obviously, the first thing you're going to do with your hypnosis is rape. Like, we all know what you're doing with this. Or like x And I remember thinking that was gross. It's always seeing through. Yes. I remember thinking it was gross, but not until like I was really old. Like at 12, I was like. That would be really cool if I had hypnotic glasses that could just make any woman sleep with me. Like that, that made sense to a, a child. Uh, so. Yeah, but then you don't, I'm, did I'm not glad carry that over The way you. he talks about it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can see the way he talks about it. That's like where his understanding of sex stopped. Was like, I right. was an incredibly horny child with no concept of right and wrong. And isn't mm-hmm. that how it should be, everybody? Don't we long for those Weren't days? Those the good old yeah. days. Let's keep it like that. In 2007, he wrote a book called Come On, People. (laughs) Where he's getting fed up that they're not catching (laughs) it. It's with uh, Alvin F. Poissant, MD, who did the foreword for all of his books. I have a feeling he's maybe ghostwrite some of these books, too. And um, it is just full cranky black grandpa. Like, he's fucking telling the kids to pull up their pants and stop with the rap. And he's, you know, he's been complaining about the moral decline of civilization in print for over 20 years at this point. And, of course, the whole time sexually assaulting innocent, unconscious women. So, Did he ever write for... Did he ever write to GamePro? (laughs) I did not see any letters from Bill Cosby. Did you try William? (laughs) Dear GamePro, I'm looking for some Spanish fly. Could you give me Bill Cosby's address? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I did not pull any passages from this book because it is really just a condemnation of modern black culture and it made me really uncomfortable and i started lo- reading like press about the book and it was very much when it came out people were saying this like dude bill cosby you don't fucking understand this at all this is bad for the black community this is bad for everybody so this is bad as a person this is just <laughs> yeah, like, is you know bad. what this is bad this is bad bill cosby bad job and the the final book i want to talk about is called cosby his life and times by mark whitaker and this is a biography not an autobiography and it very, very much does not mention any of the allegations, despite this being published in 2014, the same oh year God. the same year Hannibal Burris did the act that went viral, where he was just like, Bill Cosby's a rapist. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? And like, and he did that act because like it had been floating around forever and just yeah, wouldn't catch. It, was, it wouldn't like, yeah, it wouldn't like, catch, no, but everybody kind of knew. Yeah. Well, a guy had to say it because... <laughs> You know, yeah, when women yeah, say it, it true. doesn't doesn't count. But when a guy goes on stage and right. says it, then we're like, oh, this is a problem. Yeah. Hannibal Barrett. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think that Woody Allen documentary that just came out did a good job of like analyzing this phenomenon where like you like somebody's work and they're sort of a part of your life and part of everyone's life. And like it's such a house of cards that if you say like, oh, that guy's a 
horrible sex criminal, like suddenly you're bad for liking his movies. And so it's just, it's so much easier yeah. to say like, oh, he probably didn't do that. People lie all the time. And I'm just going to assume these 70 women are all lying. They're all throwing their lives away just for no good reason. Yeah. That's just things women do. Women just make up these stories because they want their lives destroyed. Because it's fun. It's fun for it's them. Fun. It's fun to have everyone talk about you as a sexual assault. It's like, it's like a slip and slide. Yeah. yeah. So That's exactly I, what it is. I feel like someone with Cosby who was just so ubiquitous. Like he was, like when I was a kid, he was on Captain Kangaroo with his Bill Cosby picture pages. He did Fat Albert. He was on the Cosby show at night. He was probably doing stand-up and interviews. He was just everywhere. And he was kind of a symbol of like family. And and not just that, or not to get racial with it, but also like sort of a symbol of how like civil rights had gotten to the certain point where like just a primetime show could be about a black family. And that was not a big deal. Like, we're all one people. And Bill Cosby, like, is a symbol of that. Yeah, he was kind and of so, the first, like, but we had a black president, so there's no more racism. Like, but, but right, the Cosbys exactly. are on TV, like, so there's no more racism. Yeah, we're not racist. Look. and uh, <laughs> Grandpa, how many times do we have to have this discussion? <laughs> yeah. Look, Bill Cosby, Grandpa. <laughs> so so the, the author of this book admitted on Twitter that he probably should have looked at the charges and maybe mentioned it. It's a thick book. This thing is, like, eight pounds. And, Bold stance, um, I probably maybe. Probably should have, yeah. And it never went to paperback because, like, between the time it was published in hardback and the time it was going to go to paperback, all these charges came out and everyone's like, dude, this book is fucking garbage. It doesn't even talk about this important thing. And uh, there was also talk of releasing it with the allegations added, like the author going in and doing, adding, like, a chapter to it. of like, oh, by the way. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what a terrible <laughs> ending to a book. You're, like, reading. It's going to make him, like, obviously the hero of the book. And then you get to the last right. chapter. And it's like, um. <laughs> Epilogue. So, uh, so normally when a book like this goes out of print uh, and has any at all ironic value, the price skyrockets on Amazon. Like I have some of my favorite self-defense books or sex books or satanic panic books are like four figures on Amazon. Like I'm sitting on a gold mine. This book, which is out of print about like a world famous sex criminal is $1.54 on Amazon. Like <laughs> still no one has any interest in owning this book. Um, That's also because they made so many of them. They, they might like, have yeah, Bill Cosby, celebrity name. We'll just we'll make you know seven hundred thousand of these. And oh right. no, oh I shouldn't happens? have had kids. Oh, so, I shouldn't have bought a boat. Well, and, and I think probably a lot of people would uh, be afraid to tackle that for comedy purposes. But yes, but we're doing, we're doing it. it. Not, and it, I think it we're nailing it. A great idea. Yeah. And speaking of. Of very tenuous comedic premises. This will not be funny, but it's important I mention it. There's a story in this book about Cosby's own daughter, Erin, who was sexually assaulted by Mike Tyson. And this was years before Mike Tyson's actual convictions for sex crimes. And Bill Cosby, with his, his own daughter was the victim, went to the perpetrator of this crime. And he said, Mike Tyson, you must go to therapy or I'm going to press charges against you. And then... What Mike Tyson did is stop doing that. He said, I'm not going to go to therapy anymore, Bill Cosby. And Bill Cosby's reaction was, okay, okay, whatever. So yeah, that that's great. how seriously bold, Bill Cosby took stance. this crime when it was perpetrated against the people closest in his life. And then, of course, years later, uh, Mike Tyson went on to do the actual crime. He, Bill Cosby told him to go to therapy to prevent. So... All I'm saying is that maybe if Bill Cosby cared more about female bodies and the decisions women make with them, 
he could have prevented Mike Tyson from happening. All I'm saying is that that's so terrible. I mean, well, that really proves Bill Cosby. He could have also prevented Bill Cosby. Yeah, he could have prevented that pretty easily too. (laughs) That's true. But it really does underscore that he just didn't doesn't think of even the women that are related to him as like people. Right. Like you. Right again, and he put that he put that in his book. So once again, he was trying to warn everybody. He was like, "See, this is the shit I do. This is." Mm -hmm. Why is nobody stopping me? Uh, I should be under arrest. Like, yeah, right. I, I kind of assumed he'd be... It's not even a challenge he, anymore. I thought he'd be like one of those guys that kind of has two separate categories for women, where it's like, these women aren't real people. They're the women I want to have sex with. These women right. are real women. They're my family, and that's why I care about them. But no. Yeah, like, even even like Nazis had families, right? Like, everyone has a group of people where they're nice to them, and they care about them and love them. Like, Bill Cosby doesn't even have that. This person doesn't care about even the women closest to him. I think that's uh, it's a good point, Liddy, that this he just doesn't. Yeah. At any at any stage of his life. Yeah, that's really insane to me. Uh, like, I knew he was a psychopath, but that really uh, underscores uh-huh. it. That story. I've never heard that before, that Mike Tyson assaulted his daughter. And I wonder if he told yeah, her I to go neither. to therapy was... or if he just told him to go to therapy. And like, what happened to her after that? I well, skimmed about 40 money. pages after that. Uh, for her name and like never saw her mentioned again. Like I, I, I feel like that was like her, her appearance in the biography was like that's what she's done to warrant book time. No, yeah, it's just super I, sad. I would be interested. I would be interested in that. Whoever interviewed the guy from Gossip Girl <laughs> and said like, "Hey, what's the shittiest project you've worked on?" I want them to interview Aaron Cosby and say like, "Hey, how happy are you that your your dad's in prison for the shit he did not give a fuck when it happened to you?" Yeah. Was that was that the last? That was the last book. That was the last Cosby book, yes. All right, I, I'm ready to make my guess as to, to who the criminal <laughs> was here. Oh, I think here. you're going to get this. <laughs> okay, All let's right. hear it. I'm excited. Let's hear it. Can you do an impersonation of him? <laughs> Is it the Bill Cosby? <laughs> that was at least 1.2 times better than mine. That was really good. I'm so glad I'm getting out of this without doing a Bill Cosby impression. <laughs> no, you're not. Not oh, anymore. Oh, no, yeah, I am. The whole... I'm okay. I'm good. The bonus podcast will just be a Cosby off between the three of us. And um, winner takes all. I've, I've, so, Lydia, what? I'd like to thank you for being on the show with, the with your silly hair. Thank you. And I don't think your bully was right. I think you're quite lovely, Lydia. So, Lydia, before I think we're going to call this a podcast. Uh, we changed a lot of lives. We We solved a lot of crimes. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I wrote a story for the Trailer Park Boys comic anthology that I'm very excited about, and it's going to be coming out. Uh, Congratulations on that, by the way. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, I actually wrote stories in issue one and issue two, um, and issue one is coming oh, out nice. July in July. So look for that pre-order. What about issue two? Do you know that one yet? No, they haven't told me that one yet. I'm assuming I'm assuming hmm. August. Um, but I know Was that this, the. Uh, the pre-order for the, they had like a preview book sold out already, and they're, so, yeah, now they're just doing issue one. Can't buy the pre-order anymore. Was this the uh, 
first writing you've done for like comic book style? It is, yeah. Narrative? It was the very first comic writing I've ever uh-huh. done. I really enjoyed it. So if anyone else wants to hire me to write more comics, I totally will. <laughs> and were you uh, happy with the art? Like, did, did they oh, yeah. do their own thing? Did they, did they nail your vision? They did, yeah. And mine is a little more, um, I think, cartoony than the rest of it, which really fits my writing style well. And the guy that... Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Renzo Podesta, who drew it, has done a lot of cool stuff before. I think he wrote for the Star Wars comic book, and he's really talented. He did it so mm-hmm. fast. <laughs> he was sending me the the like lines and everything, and then the you know when they draw it, and then the ink it and everything, and it was like so cool at every stage to see the little things that they added. It was really neat. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll pick up a copy for sure. Thank you, and thank you for being here, and for your contributions to our wonderful website <laughs> it's my favorite thing to write i think you're great i'm not going to do it in a cosby voice oh thank you so much i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> do it in a cosby voice <laughs> lydia you're the number one tip top a ruse do bazabble do einstein hunter frankfurt One nine hundred hot dog wages war with the help of an elite fighting squad. On demolitions, it's Three Finger Louie, Adam Ruth, Adrian H, Aiden Moet, Alpha Sciences Jabo, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyranen, Brandon Garlock, Brianne Whitney, Chase McPherson, Children of the Meat Millie, Dan Bush, the artist formerly known as Devin, David Forneff, Dean Costello, Doctor Awkward. Eric Spaulding, Haraka, Jaber Al Aiden, Jamie Gordon, Jeremy Neal, John, John McCammon, Josh Fabian, and Josh S. Ken Paisley, Lyman, Matt Cortez, Matt Riley, Michael Rader, Mike Stiles, Moju, Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H., Polly Poisewo, Rhea, Rich Joslin, Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Yosarian, Zachary Evans, and Zadarfan. On communications, intelligence, tactical, the vehicle pool, and karate research, it's Patrick Herbst, who has just requested a transfer to demolitions. <laughs>